Welcome to uh, Royals Review Radio. This is your uh, special host today, the editor of Royals Review, Max Reaper. Uh, we're going to switch things up a little bit today because we wanted to talk about the top 60 prospect list that we posted last week, uh, the author of which was, is joining us today, Mr. Sean Newkirk. Sean, how are you doing today? Max, it, it's, it's great to have the burden of the, the relief now, not having to host, not having to hold the podcast <laughs> up on my shoulders like I do every, every, uh, every couple weeks, so it's glad to have that burden off me. Yeah, it'll, it'll, you have some uh, big shoes to uh, fill, yeah. so I'll have to, you know, let me know. Keep me in mind if I uh, right. stay from your I'll give you pointers. Duties. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he's going to be chiming on, the, giving us kind of his opinions on the prospect list, and we'll talk about, we'll kind of expound on uh, what he wrote about last week. And uh, also joining us to talk about prospects is Josh Ward. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm good, thank you. Awesome. So, uh, so yeah, we have this, uh, we have this in-depth, probably the most in-depth, uh, list of prospects for the Royals that I think anyone's ever written, and and kudos to you, Sean. I think it's a really good list. Um, let's let's go right into it. Uh, I guess first of all, you want to talk about your kind of your methodology because you're not just some guy looking at stats on Baseball Reference. You actually see these guys at least on video. Talk a little about your process and what you're kind of looking for and when you value what you value and when you rank these guys. Yeah. So. I've been doing it for a couple of years, for probably three years, and I usually I do one in the winter, one in midsummer, and then I usually do something with the draft. I've done a draft board the past three years. Not sure if I'll do it again, but that's kind of my. I try to like to keep a year-round basis on it. Um, really, kind of. I start. I'm a, I'm a stats guy all the way to the end, so I think that always going to have a big influence on my opinion. Um, definitely not a tools hound, as you can maybe see by my ranking of. It's not like I threw Mondesi way under the bus, but uh, you know I've never had him number one, so that's kind of speaks to that. Same thing with Miguel Amante. So, uh, but my kind of process just starts with you know figuring out who are legit guys, um, looking at tools wise, looking at stat wise. I've seen. And I watch every night generally, and you're not necessarily supposed to scout over video at all. Not that I'm a scout by any means, uh, but I do. I can't travel that much, kind of with my job and my life responsibilities, so I have to primarily watch uh, online. Um, but I do catch usually three, four hours a night, you know, of Royals. Then I've got the minor league things while I'm working on other stuff. So I feel like I get a pretty good view. Um, as much as I can, and it allows me, you know, I can be in four or five different locations essentially at the same time. I don't have to just watch Omaha for the night. I can watch everybody, and especially with the Royals, uh, a lot of pitching depth, you know, we'll have, you know, three or four different starters, legit starting prospects every night. And it, you know, I, I can kind of switch back between them. So the uh, process was pretty easy this year, actually. Um, I had a list of 45 last summer, uh, so I basically took a list, took a look at who's still on the list, uh, who I left off the list from the summer and then the new draftees and kind of just work from there. And I'll tell you, once I got to about 50, uh, I kind of had to play pretty pretty fast and loose with the term prospect. And, <laughs> uh, but every organization, you know, has their certain amount of depths. And, you know, as much as I didn't want to put 26, 27-year-olds 26, on the list, once you kind of get to that point past really 30-ish or 40, you, you kind of have to start throwing guys on there that can have some impact. So, that's kind of how I see prospects is what's their impact going to be. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm a much bigger guy on what's their more realistic impact than what their maybe ultimate ceiling is. Not that I like a high floor, but I, I, I don't want an all boomer bust necessarily. Uh, as you can maybe see with how 
uh, how like I ranked Ash Russell. Um, I think a lot of people who are more bullish on the projection of Russell will have him in the top five. I had him eighth overall, um, just because I see his impact more, a greater chance of him being a reliever than I do seeing him uh, being a starter. So that's kind of my overall process, kind of a top-down approach. You've been doing this a couple of years now, and, and you know we've seen the Royals kind of graduate some of the prospects, and of course they traded away <clears throat> a bunch of guys, including you know a guy you were high on last year, Sean Manaya. What what do you what's kind of impression of the the farm system overall? I mean, I think we know it's it's a little thin. How, is it kind of shockingly thin? How how optimistic or pessimistic are you for the future as far as prospects coming through the system? Yeah, I wrote about this a bit in the article that yeah, it's definitely down. Um, we lost a lot of big pieces. I mean, the Royals traded away three, maybe four left-handed pitchers. I want to say Finnegan. Reed, Lamb, Manaya. So four. So four left-handed pitchers, uh, which that is the majority of the system's you know upper-level pitchers uh, for the most part. Everybody else is really right-handed. Um, so that was kind of a big big hurt on that there, and uh, and that kind of goes to my overall kind of feel in the, the system is that it's definitely going to be back half of 15. Um, I think you can make a case for it's probably 20. 20th, 21st-ish range is not as bad as, say, L.A.'s or the Tigers, but, um, you know, it's not as good as the Indians um, or the Twins. But, you know, and it's going to be hurt even more now uh, this year, uh, given that they won't have, you know, a draft pick until the, what, third round? Yeah, until the third round. Um, so that kind of, oh, wait, no, only the second round. Yeah, the second round. Yeah, they, won't yeah. have, they, they won't have a first-round pick because right. Kennedy, and then they won't have a compensatory pick because... Right. Zobrist was traded midseason. Yeah, and then Josh no Quinto was traded midseason, and Alex right. Gordon ended up staying. So. Yeah, and then they, I, I don't know, you know, the Royals won. I think they won the very first CBA lottery or CBL lottery, um, and mm-hmm. then got first pick, got the very first pick of the very first ever. And I don't know if they've won it since. They haven't. I feel like the past two years they haven't won it, or even got a slot anywhere. So that's kind of hurt them as well. Uh, but yeah, not having a pick. Uh, it, it's going to take a couple guys. It's going to take, you know, Velo, and it'll take Starling and uh, Russell, um, even Almonte, guys like that, to take a step forward. A lot of the the depth is kind of at the lower levels. It's a lot of guys who are 20, 19, 21 years old, a lot of 20-year-olds and 19-year-olds, so not even 21-year-olds um, down at the lower levels that kind of are – uh, the crutch of this, and a lot of it's built on pitching. And the Royals don't have a strong um, background of you know developing starters. Uh, you know, if you kind of look at the rotation now, I think what is it? Is it four out of five aren't are out of are from non-Royals organization guys with Kennedy and Young du- or no Duffy's kind of out. So I mean, most of them. Um, who am I missing in the rotation? It's Young, Volquez, and Medlin. Right. So there's so that's there's four. So really, it's only Ventura, Ventura right now. And you know the mm-hmm. Royals have had the Royals the past what I think four drafts or at least three drafts have gone pitcher heavy. And then you've got the Montgomerys and Dwyers and Lambs and um, Duffy uh, guys that have been taken you know early on pitchers that just haven't panned out. So that's kind of a big risk that they're taking with uh, with not a, a history of reward. Yeah, yep. just just reading from your uh, your post, uh, they've used three of their first four picks the last four years on pitchers. Yeah, in every draft. So. Yeah, I think there've only been a handful of starting pitchers that Dayton Moore has drafted or signed that have even started a major league game, like Ventura. Sure. Uh, 
Ventura, Duffy. Duffy. What about Aaron Brooks? Yeah, Aaron Brooks, I think. And did Brooks start a Mike, game? Did Michael Marriott start a game? Ooh, that's a good one. And that, I think, that, I think that's about it. I mean, that's yeah, not. I don't, know, I don't know if he actually ever started a game. Yeah. So that's not a very deep. Yeah. List, right? I don't know. Josh, what do you what do you think of the state of the farm system? Is it is it? I mean, it's more still a small market team, even though we're spending more. But is this like a big concern, or is this just kind of the cost of doing business when you're con- contender? Um, it's probably somewhere in the middle. I think I I think they 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 have kind of cut themselves a little deeper than maybe what was necessary to achieve where they got to last year with winning the World Series. Um, but at the same time, it is it is the cost of being a contender. Um, I I think the farm system right now is, is in a position of trying to recoup what they've lost, not only in promotions, not only in trades, um, but in both of those put together. And so what you're seeing is that they really have to start making up some of that triple-A, um, double-A talent that got traded away. And, I mean, Sean talked about it with guys like, I mean, Zimmer and Almonte probably are the two that come to mind the most because, one, Zimmer is the best prospect in the system, and Almonte is probably the closest to being in the majors of all of the other pitchers in the system. Um, and so they just it's they're at a point where... It, they can't really just say, well, we have such a deep system that one of these guys is going to work out. They actually do need a handful of these guys to be productive, not necessarily this year, <coughs> but into next year and especially in 2018, they are going to be in a position where they they need guys like, like Vallett and O'Hearn and Zimmer and potentially Mondesi actually Producing and producing at the major league level. Yeah, it just seemed like they had just a bad year in the system. I mean, first of all, they traded away a bunch of guys like Finnegan and mm-hmm. uh, Cody Reed, like you mentioned. But like Almonte seemed to take a step back, and Zim, you know, Zimmer was hurt. Montesi took a step back, and uh, you know, yeah, Foster Griffin didn't look that good. I mean, even even sort of the um, what would probably be classified as quadruple A guys like Chesler Cuthbert or Jorge Bonifacio also had down years or were injured mm-hmm. um and so it's just it's the ebb and flow of of prospects in general but uh it wasn't a great year both in terms of you know players leaving but also just production wise everything was kind of down across the system and uh that's just uh kind of where it's at right now hopefully some of those guys can actually start improving over this upcoming season and might actually be able to make an impact soon. Well, let's, uh, let's talk about some of those guys. We'll, go, we'll get to the list now. Um, Sean, you had Kyle Zimmer number one on overall on the list as opposed to Raul Montesi, and you're not alone. Uh, Dan Farnsworth at Fangraph also ranked Zimmer first in his ranking for the Royals prospects, but most other, most other of the big, big lists, Baseball America, Baseball Prospectus, John Sickles, all had Montesi number one. Uh, talk a little bit about why you had Zimmer over Mondesi and, and what do you kind of see as the, I guess, the pluses and minuses for both of those guys. Zimmer's so good, man, when he's healthy. I think he I, – I love Manaya, but a healthy Zimmer would have beaten Manaya. Zimmer's got uh, – compared to maybe Lucas Giolito or Julio Urias, uh, 
I mean, I would take Zimmer's arsenal over just about anybody. You're looking at four average or better pitches. You probably got a, you do have a plus fastball. You've got a plus curveball. You've got a slider that plays pretty well, and then you've got a changeup that's probably average on most nights. So I absolutely love Zimmer. It's super easy delivery. He's great build. He's literally got every box you could want from a right-handed pitcher, uh, but except for the health. So that should ding him down more uh, than maybe I, I gave him credit for. I think that's the big thing. I think a healthy Zimmer, a 110, 120-innings pitch Zimmer, um, you know, the past year or you know, two, 300 innings the past couple years, that – would put him number one over, you know, in the system for most guys. Um, but I, I still have a lot of confidence in him as far as uh, what I think his impact will be. And it's a comparison when you're trying to rank. And anytime I rank guys, I, I so for instance, I'll look at Mondesi and I'll say, okay, is he better than Chase Vallo? Yeah, he's better than Chase Vallo. Is he better than Kyle Zimmer? And I couldn't put him ahead of Kyle Zimmer given that, you know, I'm lower on Mondesi, um, even though I have number two. But, you know, I think most people would argue – uh, you know, Mondesi's going to have a bigger impact on the major leagues, but uh, I just don't see that. I think that even as a reliever, Zimmer's going to be in a, uh, maybe not an elite level reliever. It's not there's no chance, but I think that he could be a very good reliever. Um, you know, not Wade Davis level because it's hard to predict anybody to be Wade Davis, but it's it's the level that you know he could come in and have a two ERA season or a sub two ERA season. And, uh, would, you know, wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and then, you know, kind of compared to Mondesi, um, like I kind of started saying I'm a big, I'm much more of a stat guy um, than just going to be a tools kind of hound. So, you know, you're, you're working with really good speed. You've got an easy glove. So, I mean, you've got a pretty good floor. But, I mean, we saw with like Starling Castro, who, you know, was, was a better hitter than Mondesi or was uh, coming up there that, you know, he's already gone uh, effectively. You know, the Cubs have already traded him away and he's dropped off you know huge so there is a floor you know with speed and defense but it kind of only gets you so far you've got to do some hitting even as a shortstop you still have to hit just a bit um you know escobar isn't a uh, he's not a good hitter but he's had some two three win seasons based off i think it's some like 80 wrc pluses and the like so escobar can hit a little bit um but but you know Montessi can't even put up an 80 WRC plus in, you know, double A. Um, I, I, I can't think off the top of my head what he had, but something around there. Um, he can't even, you know, put that up. I think actually he was like 77 or 78 in double A this year. So he's pretty close to that. But that's the thing is it, he's still two levels away from being at the MLB. He's still, I, I think he should abandon the right-handed side. I think he should just stay as a left-handed hitter. Uh, it would help his speed play up as he comes out of the box a bit. I think he's got a little more power from the left side as well. I think that, you know, he is only, what, 19 or 20. Uh, so there's time, you know, still several years away. If he doesn't make his MLB debut, I, I know he's already debuted, but if he doesn't make his real regular season, okay, this is it. You're officially going to be our starter. Uh, but, you know, before Escobar leaves, that would surprise me because I think they should give him enough time, and I think the Royals should keep him in double-A for another year um, or at least until he proves that he can hit double-A. Is it, I mean, you see a swing. He does seem like he has some pretty decent power, at least from the left side, as yeah. you say. Is this problem just completely strike zone recognition at this point? And, and it's really weird. Um, and, and I talked about this last year. Uh, I can't remember who I had the discussion with on the on the, uh, on the the website. But uh, Montesi has awesome bat speed. 
uh, and he has, and he actually has really good bat-to-ball skills uh, when it comes to actually putting the ball in play. He's just ultra aggressive. It's not necessarily that he swings and misses, you know, on stuff in the zone like uh, like Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo will swing at anything, and he can miss it a you know a ninety-five mile per hour fastball in the middle. Monty's he can hit the ball as far as putting the you know bat to the ball and has uh, a great kind of handle on the bat. But yeah, he's just super aggressive. He'll he'll really swing at anything. So if he can kind of calm down his approach, um, and I'm wondering if it's him being forced, you know. To levels that he shouldn't be in, you know, he probably shouldn't have been in Wilmington uh, last year, or excuse me, the, the Northwest Arkansas last year, Wilmington two years ago, um, necessarily, you know, wouldn't have hurt him to play in Lexington again or repeat high A uh, this past year. Uh, but you know, it's kind of a bit where he's been forced to face upper level pitching, and he just can't make the adjustments given. You know, partially because of the reps he's not had at lower levels to kind of get used to even that level of competition and his age, too. Uh, you would expect as he gets older and, and uh, sees more pitches and gets more time, he can maybe start having a more patient approach. Uh, but that's the thing. I mean, it's not, a, it's not a matter of he can't make contact. It's a matter of that he's just swinging at everything, and you're not going to hit a ball in the dirt unless you're Vlad Guerrero. So it's kind of futile. Josh, you, you sound like you kind of agreed putting Zimmer number one in the system. Um, I mean, do you, do you kind of agree with his assessment? And what, what do you think is the ETA for these guys for the Royals? Yeah, I, I mean, I've I've actually been kind of down on Mondesi for a while now. I've always had this 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 sort of um, suspicion that he might not hit well enough to actually establish himself as kind of that cornerstone franchise player that a lot of um, prospect lists kind of dubbed him as, especially um, around 2013 when he was, you know, finally coming into the the low stages of the minors and things like that. But um, so Zimmer is number one, I think is obvious. I, like he's he's MLB ready right now. Like there's there's nothing about his repertoire, his makeup, his pitchability, his command. There's there's nothing in his in his kit right now that says oh he needs to be in the minors to work on this specific problem. Zimmer is MLB ready right now, in my opinion. I mean the only concern is innings, um, which is something that you can more easily monitor in the minors. But um, production at the major league level is the production that matters, and so. In my opinion, and somebody had mentioned this, that Zimmer, I think it was David Lesky on uh, Twitter, was talking about Zimmer breaking camp as the Royals' fifth starter. Yeah. Um, and that strikes me as a really good idea. <laughs> uh, one, because he still gets skipped in the rotation when they have off days, spe- specifically in, in the early part of the year. Um, they can then even further control his innings by having Chris Young and Danny Duffy in the bullpen. Um, and it essentially comes down to the fact that there's nothing left for him to learn in the minors. Um, so him being number one in the system, I think, is no doubt. If Manaya had still been in the system, I would actually have put him ahead of Mondesi. Um, so I guess that's probably an indicator of how down I am on Mondesi. Um, but that being said, I, I do think that he will be an everyday player in the major leagues at some point. 
Um, I just don't think it'll be this year and probably not next year. So he'll be making his debut around his age 22, age 23 season. Um, and I, I just, I think the, the ceiling is what continues to drop on Modesty. His floor has always kind of been that elite, elite defensive shortstop. Um, and I, I don't think that has changed. If anything, I think it's actually improved over the last couple of years from reports that I've read. Um, but his ceiling just kind of continues to tumble as he continues not to produce in the minor leagues. And there is, there, I, I think there has been an issue with pushing him too fast. Um, I mean, the fact that he was in AA last year uh, after, what was it, in in high A, he hit he hit something like, like his, his uh, OPS was like 600. Uh, six, yeah, 610. <clears throat> yeah, and, and then they decided to push him into AA yeah. in 2015. I mean, that that strikes me as a team that is obviously valuing Mondesi's particular skill set and is less worried about developing the nascent skills that he doesn't, you know, already have that are mature. So, I don't know. Uh, I wouldn't expect Mondesi to be at the major leagues until Escobar's not around anymore. I guess is probably the easy way to put that. Um, some other guys, I mean, Miguel Almonte is kind of going to be a, if I had to guess, he'll probably get a lot of travel time between Omaha and uh, Kansas City this year when they have to bring up an extra reliever or when they have to, you know, replace an injured pitcher or something like that. And uh, short of that, I mean... Technically, Brian Flynn is listed on on Sean's. He's my man. Prospect list, Kinda. yeah, at, num- at uh, number sixty, Mister Irrelevant. He's actually fifty. He's actually fifty-one. We need to change the list, but he's officially uh-huh. like fifty-one. There, there was an editing editing yeah. error on my. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he's not quite Mister Relevant, but he was like, <laughs> he was one of the last guys added, but it, it's an editing thing, right. so we'll fix okay. that. But gotcha. Um, and so, I mean, short of that, I don't. I mean, you're basically looking at guys like Jose Martinez or Brett Eibner who might get playing time since Dyson is hurt. But Paulo Orlando is seems to be the anointed kind of fill-in for now. Um, presuming that they don't re-sign Alex Rios, which uh, they always could, and it would be great. You bite your tongue right now. Yeah. Hashtag get the, <laughs> hashtag get the band back together. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, in terms of actual, like, uh, I guess what you would consider, like, day-in, day-out production, it's Kyle Zimmer, and then there's a steep cliff to Almonte and a guy like Brian Flynn, and then after that, I mean, most of these guys are at least, at least a season away. The only other person would probably be Bubba Starling, who, like like Mondesi is defense ready right now, but uh, his his bat is although it's not as bad as say Mondesi's has been. He's also you know three years older. Yeah. Um. He might possibly potentially be a late season call up candidate, presuming 
X, Y, and Z all have to happen. So really there's maybe like four or five guys that you should look at to potentially contribute this year in some sort of like realistic and meaningful way. Uh, I mean, there's a, like Matt Stram might completely detonate like double A and triple A like this year. They've been talking him up in camp. And yeah. He's pretty impressive. His first outing. Yeah, he looked good. Yeah. So he's, he's probably the, in terms of a, a reliever that could, you know, potentially seriously impact the back end of the bullpen at some point. Uh, he would be a guy to keep your eye on. So just some of those guys. Stram, I mean, Stram, Zimmer are, are probably the high ceiling guys to keep a look at. Almonte will probably be around at some point. Flynn will probably be around at some point. Um, and then really you're looking at Bubba Starling, depending on how his year goes, and then guys like Eibner and maybe Jose Martinez to fill in for a week or two if somebody gets hurt. I yeah, think and really the, with the thing with a team like this is there really aren't that many opportunities. I mean the Royals. I mean, like this isn't like 2006 where the Royals have like four maybe starters and the rest of you know the rest of the team is trying out for you know yeah. starting spots. I mean we've got a, pretty much a set lineup, a set rotation, really eight or nine veteran starters we can put in there. There's not going to be a lot of opportunities for a Bubba Starling or Matthew Strom unless a lot of guys get hurt. So it's kind of a nice position to be in, uh, even if the system is kind of thin right now. I, I tend to agree with your guys' assessments of Zimmer and Mondesi. I think Zimmer, I mean, he's got, I think he has, he's got awesome stuff. I think he's got frontline starter written all over him. The only knock is injury. And Sean, is, are his injuries like something that are recurring or are they just kind of like freak? you know, one-time things that should be past him at this point. I, mean, I think, we... I, I, like, Manaya had a bunch of those, like, all right, he mm-hmm. hurt his hip, then he hurt his, I want to say, like, ankle or hamstring, like, celebrating a win. Like, that was with with Zimmer, I think it's, and I, God, you have to go down the list with him, uh, what he had the well, shoulder. And he, he also had labrum right. issues. So the yeah, shoulders are legit. He had some shoulder surgery. Yeah, that's that. a legit. I don't know if that's, like, a recurring lingering issue for the rest of his career type thing. Yeah, they said they cleaned up the they did the debridement, they cleaned up all that stuff in his shoulder and then I mean he pitched fine after he eventually came back after was it his back that kinda kept him out? He he was yeah. supposed to return and then hurt his back uh, so his hip he also had like it. Are you talking yeah. about Manaya? No 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 um Zimmer. Oh, okay. Because Zimmer had he had the they shoulder back yeah. He had, he yeah. had a shul- he had a shoulder thing and then they didn't they remove bone chips from his elbow? Yeah, that was that was also a different thing that he right. had going. That was on. like two years back, and then this past year back, they did the shoulder debridement, um, and then he had—I I, want to say—he was a back injury. He was supposed to come back, and then he got his comeback delayed because of like a back injury. So I don't know. Uh, and you know, Brett Anderson just had—it's going to have to have another back surgery. So I mean, it could just end up being something like that, where it's you know. The guys just can't stay healthy for for whatever reason, but it seems like the shoulder thing's something to worry about. The back thing, I'm not sure if, if necessarily a, the back a back injury is that kind of um, repetitive necessarily. And I don't remember the extent of his back injury, but a shoulder in, injury, even if it's just a debridement, that's still a bit of a like a hey, we should remember this. Um, but no, I mean it's it's not like he's having Tommy John and his elbows barking again. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't surprise me if he has Tommy John. Uh, but um, it, it seems like other than the shoulder thing, the other the other injuries are kind of one offs. Hopefully, um, but yeah, it's it's not like it's a 
a nagging thing like Mark Pryor or something like that. Well, and ironically, when he was drafted, like the big plus on him was that he had come to pitching late, and so yeah. there wasn't a lot of mileage on his arm, and so he wasn't a high injury risk. But right. I mean, it just goes to show you can't really. Yeah, <laughs> and I wonder if that's like a double-edged sword where, yeah, he doesn't have yeah. a lot of miles, but, you know, you think of the guys who start pitching when they're 12 years old, you know, they've it's a bodily function at that point, so they're used to that stress on their arms. So you wonder if, you know, he went from zero innings pitch to however many his sophomore year, um, and that he just, his body and his arm wasn't, you know, wasn't used to the conditioning of, of pitching, essentially. So I wonder if that's part of it too where it's like yeah he hasn't pitched a lot but because he hasn't pitched a lot he's going to be susceptible to those kind of nagging pains and stuff you guys both mentioned uh miguel almonte a little bit and the royals fans got a chance to see him at the end of last year uh i think most lists had him you know in the top five three to four three or four or five but Sean, you had him ranked number 14 on your list why what's the big knock on almonte why do you think what what would you kind of project him to be if he uh if he does make it to the major leagues. Best. Yeah, he's a reliever for me. Um, I know two years ago he w- he wasn't, but, you know, he he really hasn't had a good year necessarily since, uh, I want to say, when he was in Wilmington. And even that might have been a partial product of Wilmington. If you, if you want to really date it back, it's been Lexington. It's 2013 uh, at age 20 when he had his best year. Um, and since then, it's just been kind of inconsistencies where yeah, he has the best changeup in the system. Um, he's got one of the better fastballs, too. But there's no given night where you can send him out on the mound and you know that you're going to get his best fastball and his best changeup. And I'm not that in love with the curve. I, I think it's an average, probably fringe average curveball. So, Would without, you say that you have trouble with his curve? I, I don't have <laughs> trouble with this curve. But um, I, I have a very dedicated opinion to his curve. But, yeah, uh, batters don't have trouble with this curve. So I think that... Um, it's just that lack of consistency. I mean, he walked, you know, more than three and a half batters in Omaha. He walked more than three and a half batters in Double A. I mean, he's had years where he's walked, you know, the three, almost four batters per nine innings. And then, um, yeah, you know, it just I, I just see him as a reliever. And I think um, he's going to settle into a role there. I think that's where the Royals are going to bring him up. Uh, and he's going to get in the bullpen, and he, and he kind of might just be typecast in that bullpen role, but I think that's the best role for him, essentially. What do you think, Josh? Are you as uh, pessimistic on Almonte as Sean is? Um, I, I agree that his best role is probably in the bullpen. Um, I would still like to see them try him as a starter to see if he can work on some of the command issues that have uh, kind of been with him for the last two years now. Because, um, you know, back in 2012, 2013, he didn't have that many walks. He didn't have the sort of command issues that he's had since 2014. Um, so I'd, I'd like to see them s- situate him in AAA for a year, see if he can work on his command. But uh, I think ultimately if he – I think his, his – his best case scenario is probably what your Dono Ventura is right now, uh, which is a guy who gets you somewhere around a, a FIP of 3.9 to 4-ish. Sorry, not FIP, ERA. Um, a, guy, a guy who struggles with his command at times, is inconsistent, but can also throw 
a, a lights out game here and there that sort of buoy his value um, to a degree. So I'm not I'm not as pes- pessimistic on Almonte as as Sean is, but I do I do think that if you if you want to see Almonte within the next say 18 months, the the role that he's going to be in is going to be as a reliever. If you are willing to wait on Almonte until mid June of next year before you start seeing results out of him, then he might be able to work on some of the control and command issues that have that come up over the last two years. And it's important to remember that he's he'll he'll turn twenty three in about a month. So if he doesn't debut as as say a starter until next season he's slightly behind uh in terms of of where his age should be but he's he's not so far behind say like a Brett Eibner or Jose Martinez where his prospect status is just kind of detonated because of his age so i think if they're willing if they're willing to let him work on the problems that he's had he can be a viable sort of probably number four-ish, number three, maybe, starter. Yeah, and Ventura, by the time he was Del Monte's age, he was a two-and-a-half win pitcher. So I think that's a big thing where, I don't yeah. know. And, I, and part of my yeah, ranking... And, that, and that's what I mean. By I, I, think, I think El Monte's ceiling, yeah. his best-case scenario is probably what Ventura has done over the last two years. Sure. And um, my kind of problem, not my problem, but one of my big things is I'm, I'm quick when it comes to cutting the court. So, like Josh Stamon, I know that the Royals kind of maybe want to see him as a starter, but uh, you know what? He's he, he's not going to be a starter. Face facts and just, you know, get him in the bullpen. Uh, same thing with, with Almonte. I don't see him as a starter, so why kind of waste time, you know, diddling around a bit as a starter? Just let him focus on, you know, one, one and a half innings to two innings of just short burst of just blowing it by guys. Yeah, Almonte actually kind of reminds me of um, uh, Denny Bautista from a while back, or you know, a guy that throws <laughs> yeah. hard, not very good command, pretty good changeup. Uh, and I feel like Bautista probably now, if he's with Ned Yost and Dayton Moore, would probably be a pretty good reliever, but uh, yeah. just can never figure it out as a starter. And that's I don't know. Hopefully, that's, Almonte has better upside than that. That's too far back of a reference for me. I think. <laughs> that's like oh five oh six. Yeah, it's, that's not. It's not too far far for me. Oh, he made he made seven starts uh, in two thousand five. Uh, did you pull him up? I did too. Uh, I I did. Yeah. Uh, after huh. making five starts in two thousand four, let's just say his his ERA was uh, less than average. Yeah, yeah those, are, um, those are back in the bad bad uh, silly ball era days too. <laughs> yeah, and his, he was good. Yeah, and his uh, well and. He had, he had his stuff didn't translate to the major league level either, because I remember him as being a guy who who had uh, kind of a whip action arm release that had a little bit of deception, and he comboed his fastball off of his curveball, uh, and it completely obliterated guys in AAA when when he was coming up, um, and then he got to the major leagues, and uh, his you know command just kind of. Not really cratered. I mean, he he walked about four batters per nine innings. Yeah, but look at that strike. He walked four point three. Four. He yeah. walked almost as many as he struck out. In right, some of these and years. that and that was the big deal. Is uh, kind of similar 
to what Ventura was hap- what was happening with Ventura last year uh, when he just couldn't strike anybody out, despite the fact that his stuff kind of plays up and and should be able to put guys away. Or kind of a knock that's been on Kelvin Herrera for a little while. I mean, he still strikes people out, but Not people as much. Yeah. seemed it. Yeah, people say that he should be striking out more guys than he is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Denny Bautista is the kind of guy who probably should have been a reliever for his entire career, but uh, didn't really get turned into one until uh, until it was you know basically too late. Now we'll never know what could have been with yeah. And and hey, before yeah. we get too far off of like Montessi there, um, I, I do want to say, and I was just looking at this. So uh, what I love about Baseball Reference is it it tracks the individual player like their top 100 rankings. And Baseball Prospectus, I'm not sure where they put them this year, um, but for instance, in 2013, and, and it just kind of goes back to that season where Josh you mentioned in Wilmington. He batted 211, 256, 354 for a slash line. So 250-ish OBP, almost. Yeah. I mean, that's basically Mendoza line batting average. Tough and, hitting environment. To be yeah, fair, yeah, true. Yeah, that is pretty that And is pretty he, moved, <laughs> he moved from, uh, in 2013, he moved from 58th overall to 29th overall based off his, uh, basically his 2013 season and then he even moved up a couple spots based off of that poor Wilmington season and I think right. Baseball America had him moving up one spot this year I uh, know he moved back one spot but still yeah I mean a lot of a lot of publications are putting the they're looking at the tools so I'm wondering and uh, you know Scott McKinney agrees with me we're wondering when when it comes time for results you know, we can't stop living off the of tools I do yeah. disagree and, with you guys a little bit in that I don't think they're going to be as patient with him as you guys seem to think because I think all this talk about him being a leadoff, is he a leadoff? The other world are saying, is he a leadoff hitter or number three hitter? Yeah. I think they love the guy, and the fact they promoted him to the big leagues last year in the World Series yeah. suggests he's going to be here pretty soon. I bet I wouldn't be surprised if, like, if Omar Infante is truly washed up and Cologne struggles defensively at second. It wouldn't surprise me sure. to see him up by the end of the year playing, and they'll say, well, we love his defense. You know, he's the best defender we have. And we'll just, you know, we'll be, we'll be patient with the bat and he'll learn at the major league level. And yeah, sure. We'll struggle with him not hitting at all for a while. Yeah, I mean, Escobar played 150 games for the Brewers and had a 62 WRC plus, but he played 100, you know, 145 games. So, yeah, teams aren't, you know, shy about calling up those shortstops who can't hit if they're defensively good. Uh, I, and I'm not saying, Josh, I, that he's ready for it, but I'm saying that we know... They I mean, haven't been patient with him yet, so why yeah, would they continue to be? It's definitely a possibility. I'm I'm not saying it's you know completely out of left field or right field or whatever, but shortstop. I, he plays shortstop. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> Kansas City doesn't strike me as the kind of well. I guess that is true. If Omar Infante is Omar Infante of last year, and Christian Cologne is. Also, Omar Infante of last year, but without the defense. Or even if he's slightly better, but doesn't have the defense that Infante brings. I don't know. I just don't see them as the kind of organization that would move a prospect of that caliber off of his natural position just to play in the major leagues. That, that strikes me as something that the Royals don't do. Not that they wouldn't. Hmm. I can't say that they wouldn't because yeah. Jose Martinez has kind of been 
but again, he's 27, and you know, not really sort of a prospect anymore. He did. He did play some second base last year. Did he? Or am I misthinking that? Like in the in Wilmington, in yeah, for Northwest Arkansas. Did he? Yeah. Play, I think he played a little bit there. Uh, yeah, he played uh, 18 games. Okay. So, and that's his first time ever playing. That was in. Oh, yeah. uh, so I mean, Cake State when he was down there. Eight, 18 of 81 games. So it's you know about yeah. a fifth. So. Yeah, and he's on the forty man, so that's a big thing too. Anybody on the forty man could be called up at really any moment. It's it's not crazy. You guys aren't insane. I just, I just, (laughs) I just don't see Kansas City being the kind of organization that would take what they would obviously consider, I think, to be their number one prospect, and bring him up to the major leagues to play a position that they don't think that he will be playing. Say. At the end of at the start of 2018, sure. Because once he's because once he's here, I mean, unless unless he just absolutely, you know, flops offensively, and I mean like probably Tony Pena Jr. levels or Infante 2015 levels, like unless unless he just completely craters at at the plate. Once he's here, he's here. Well, and, they did send down Gordon and Butler and yeah, and, that, and, and uh, Mustakas, I guess, eventually. Right. Yeah, and that's and that's and that's kind of the, the I th- that's like the point I'm making is because all of those players struggled offensively to one degree or another, right? Um, and just you know below their expected contribution, I should say, and that and that's the difficulty with Mondesi is that his expected offensive contribution isn't very high to begin with, so Butler struggling. Looks a lot different than Mondesi struggling. Even even though both of them, you know, could obviously use some time to continue working on things, but but they also didn't graduate any of those prospects to play a position that they, you know, had been essentially groomed to play. I mean, Gordon moved from third to left, but that was more of a, uh, I guess, on the job training. I think he's been, he been up for a while, too. Yeah. But I think that's a fair point. And I think, uh, you know, it, I think that if his defense plays well, that, if, you know, I could see him maybe getting an audition maybe or trying out second base a little bit in the minors this year. And if they say, oh, well, his defense plays well, I think, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's likely, but I think it, there's a very good, you know, I think there's a, not a very good, but there's a good chance mm-hmm. he could be here at least maybe not, you know, either at the end of this year or, you know, beginning of next year. Um because I, you know, I was disagreeing with some people on Twitter, like they had this notion that the Royals are very patient with their prospects, and I was kind of looking to like, you know, Aaron Crow skipped AAA for kind of no good reason, and Alex Gordon skipped AAA, and Starling was aggressive. Salvador Perez didn't spend yeah. any time really at AAA, and Hosmer was only there for a short time. And they've been pretty aggressive promoting guys that they like. So yeah, they're patient yeah. with the guys who suck, but the guys. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, they're patient with. The quad A players and stuff like that, but yeah, I mean, Starling got a quick promotion. Mondesi, um, you're right, Crow, Perez. Yeah, I mean, they're not that patient. We also have to consider how much of that was driven by necessity. I mean, even as recently as what 2010, 2011, the Royals needed players. Like, oh, they weren't. They weren't winning. They weren't playing for anything really. Though. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, but. I, I, all I mean is that it's a lot easier for for to promote. It's a lot easier to promote Gordon when 
Or it's a lot easier to pr promote Moustakis when Gordon isn't in the way. Sure. It's a lot easier to promote Mondesi when Escobar's not in the way. It's a lot easier to promote Starling when Kane isn't in the way. Like, there's... I mean, there are certain mitigating factors that either... Not necessarily forced the Royals to push guys, but they also had sort of a vested interest in getting them to the major leagues, perhaps a little bit quicker than what they really should have. I mean, there are certain there are certain ones that I think are kind of silly, just abjectly. Like Aaron Crow, for instance, being pushed. Um, that was just weird. Salvador Perez. Uh, that was kind of odd because not only did they push him really aggressively, he also didn't really hit all that well in oh. the minor leagues either. Yeah. Um, so it's not even, I mean, they really just kind of fell in love with his defense and decided that he was major league ready, uh, regardless of the fact. I'm going to look it up real quick. Let's see. And that sounds kind of like modesty too. If they fall in love with this yeah. defense, a couple, right. a couple but, hundred uh, WRC, but they still have Escobar. Yeah, I think. Well, yeah, and hopefully, you know, Omar Infante hits like an All Star this year and, and blocks Monacy from having to come up too quickly, and right. Royals will just be set at second base for the next two years. But. Hey, Josh, you mentioned Tony Pena Jr. He had a negative eight WRC plus, and he got he got <laughs> yeah. two hundred and thirty five plate appearances, ninety five games in two thousand eight. So just yeah. That's patience. No, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and that's. Uh, I don't. I don't think the Royals are at a point now where they are willing to accept that level of uh, incompetence. Thank God. <laughs> Negative eight. Um, I don't know if you guys heard me correctly. That's below zero. Right. <laughs> he was a hundred and eight percent worse than league average. So just yeah. listeners, just so you Which, know the utility. Seems like it shouldn't be possible, but we right. saw it. Um, and yeah, I mean, he was—he basically just gave runs. Negative eight to the other team. Tony Pena <laughs> making the impossible possible. Yes. Yeah. Let's uh, let's move down. Wait, you did, wait, 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 wait. What about uh, two thousand nine? You got to look at that one. It's it, only—it's only fifty-three plate appearances. Oh, negative forty-four is pretty good. That's uh -huh. he look—he broke the scale. Oh wait, <laughs> he broke them all. He's negative 100. Oh, no, never mind. He doesn't have any plate appearances. Okay. I was thinking, like, yeah. he broke the freaking WRC+. plus. He went below no. one, yeah. negative 100, but never mind. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead, Max. Where are we going now? Uh, yeah, let's, 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 let's instead talk about a guy who has a little bit more power than that. That's uh, catcher Chase Velo. Yeah. You had him ranked number three on your list, which is quite a bit higher, I think, than a lot of other prospect lists had him. What, what do you like about it? First, he's a catcher. He's a prep. Yeah. Kid out of Louisiana. What do you like so much about this kid? Well, let me preface all of this by saying that investing in prep catchers is like the worst idea. Worse than investing in prep <laughs> second baseman. Um, they just never pan out. Or like Austin Hedges, awesome defender, one of the best defenders maybe in all of baseball, can't hit. And everybody goes, oh, his bat will come around. His bat will come around. And it never came around. And it still has it or probably won't. So being high on catchers, prep catchers, is a really bad idea. Uh, having said that, though, this dude can hit the ball. Just oh my god, he's he won a home run derby, uh, beat out a bunch of kind of prep uh, all star guys, and then he finished second in another home run derby at Major League Fields, mind you, not at you know some high school field. Um, yeah, the guy can hit. 
He's going to stay behind the plate, uh, or I think he will at least. Got a great arm. Um, I've heard some movement of he could maybe go to first base um, or right field isn't necessarily out of the picture. Um, if he moves to first, obviously that hurts his value. But, uh, man, when you see this dude, and as I kind of mentioned in my article, that if you look at the list of guys who have displayed power at that young of age, I mean, Velo was one of the youngest guys drafted in his draft year. He was the youngest American-born uh, guy in A-ball. Um, you know, it's filled with Latin guys. So they And they weren't, like, years younger. They were only a few months younger than him. But he was uh, one of the young, youngest guys just in all of, uh, you know, non-shorts even season baseball to begin with. So, And he displayed a bunch of power. Um, yes, the strikeouts are a concern. But, of course, again, he's only 18 years old. Um, and even with the strikeouts, he still managed, I think, a 116 WRC plus. So he was, you know, 16, 15% better than league average, even with the strikeouts because of the power. And, you know, uh, I think he's going to be, um, I forget who I, I forget who I put a comp on him as. I want to say it's Wilson Contreras. That might be wrong. Um, and I think actually that is wrong. Not Wilson Contreras. But anyways, uh, yeah, I mean. Worst case is he's a he might be a backup, but he's a backup that can hit. But he's going to be a catcher, and I think he's good enough uh, to stick around there uh, behind the plate, and he's going to hit. I'm probably not as high on him as Sean is, but considering how thin the system is, uh, it he would he would still be in my top five. So I don't know if I disagree enough to really <laughs> kind of go on a long rant about it. Um, if he can get more consistency in terms of making contact, then I I think he can become a, a really good you know sort of prospect. Um, but I mean, there, there's there's always downsides with every player, I should say. And and like Sean was alluding to, the downside with prep catchers is uh, basically that they stop being a prospect. <laughs> Uh, after only a couple of years of struggling either to stay behind the plate or, you know, to hit well enough to actually kind of justify their status. So uh, I like some of the tools that are there. Um, but there is still a lot of risk with him. Yeah, I think anytime you're talking about some of these prep kids uh, that the Royals team will like a lot, it's, it's a lot of high-risk, high-reward, and... One of those guys that's been high risk, high reward is kind of a lightning rod here in Kansas City because he's a local kid. I'm uh, talking about Bubba Starling. And I, it's interesting, like, I always note, like, when I talk to people about the Royals, there's, like, players that have, there's a big divergence between, like, what our readership at Royals Review thinks of them and what, like, the, the average mainstream fan thinks of them. And, like, like, like we love Gerard Dyson on our side. I think we think he's really underrated. The average fan, I think, just thinks of season as a pinch runner that isn't that great at hitting. Uh, and I think Bubba Starling's one of those guys. He's, I think he's a guy that, on our site, we see his great defense. We see some strides, at least offensively. Whereas I've had people ask me, hey, do you think Bubba Starling will ever play in the big leagues? And I say, yeah, he'll, he'll probably get a cup of coffee this year. And I think the Royals are going to give him a shot in you know, 17 or 18. And they're shocked. They're like, oh, I can't believe. you know, I, There's no way he'll make the big league. So I don't know. What, Sean, Sean, we'll start with you. What, do you think Bubba Starling has a future as a big leaguer? Uh, see, so you had him ranked. Uh, I think. Yep, I had him uh, sixth. Sixth, yeah. So it's pretty high 
for this system. Yeah. Uh, is he a guy with a future? Do you see him starting uh, starting for the Royals next year? Yeah. What's, what's the future for him? Yeah, um, and I've had... I don't know if I've had a checkered history with Starling, um, but, uh, you know, back two years ago, I think it was, or two at least last, last fall, so not the previous fall, but the fall before that, um, he made a bunch of those mechanical changes, kind of went back to his high school uh, mechanics, really looked a lot better at the plate, um, and has really kept those going. Um, you know, and, and as I kind of alluded to in, in the article as well, you... Um, you kind of get this notion that, oh, man, Starling has just never been good. But really, and I feel a notion of this, too. I, I'm not, uh, you know, innocent of it, that Starling has only had one full season of a non-100, a, a sub-100 WRC+. plus. So only one season has he hit less than uh, league average, which surprise me because I you know I, I'm on fan graphs I'm watching you know our prospect stats all the time but I had never noticed that for whatever reason um, you know even when he was in Lexington and uh, everybody goes oh man you know he just stunk it up yeah um, he didn't kill it but he had a 111 WRC plus he was 11% better than league average uh, you know yet he gets a lot of love for what he did in double A this year but he only had a 105 WRC plus so he's only uh, 5% above league average and of course it's you know, better to be a 105 in Double A than it is to be a 111 in Lexington and A ball. Um, but Starling actually has been a hitter better than maybe people think he's been um, over his career. You know, he hasn't lit the world on fire like you would think the guy who got. You know, he got the best. I want to say he got the best prep hitter bonus of all time, um, and he got the highest Royals bonus of all time. He's got he got as much as Steven Strasburg did. Um, yet, you know, it's taken him. Each, he's taking it one by one, level by level each year. So um, I think impact-wise, yeah, you know, we hear about the defense. He is the epitome of selling jeans, that money ball quote. <laughs> the dude looks like a baseball player 100%. Um, looks like an athlete and cold-weather state, so he's going to take time, uh, as we kind of knew with him being from Kansas. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think that you could be looking at even in his current state, I think you could find the upside of a one and a half to two win player, which is um, an average player. Uh, but I think if he continues to kind of cut down the strikeouts and um, bring up the walk, hit for power, kind of like he did uh, this year a lot uh, in Double A, which is a bit of a hitter-friendly league, uh, Texas league is. But still, uh, you know, he's just 22. It seems like he's a lot older than he is. Or excuse me, he's 23. I apologize. Um, it seems like he's a lot older than he necessarily is because he's been around <laughs> since 2010 or 2012. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see him as a you know regular fourth outfielder. Uh, he'll get he'll get a ton of chances. He'll be around baseball unless he quits till he's 28, 29. I mean, he'll get a chance if the Royals cut him next year, and then another team cut him the next year. He'll have at least three or four chances. Team will keep banking on his upside because. You know, he's got fourth outfielder, maybe not necessarily as his floor, but I could see a medium outcome being his, being a, a fourth outfielder. Josh, is, is Bubba Starling the Royals starting right fielder in 2017? Um, yeah, probably. You think 17, not 18? Is it yeah. 18 or no, I Well, I guess I should... I guess I should surround that with the caveat of uh, him not totally imploding... In Double A and Triple A this season, um, is, I, is Kane I, I, gone? Is Kane gone in seventeen or eighteen? 
uh, he's gone in 17. He's gone after – no, he's after, gone after a, 17. After 17. Right. Yeah. So so do you think it will be, let's say, not this year but next year, 2017, you think it will be Gordon, Kane, Starling? Or you think you, you think Starling beats out Dyson? I mean, he probably does, but what are your thoughts on that, though, Josh? Or Max, too? Uh, yeah. I, okay. I, I think he does. At, at, at least by mid-June of next year, uh, I think – I think the the probability of Starling being the starting right fielder by July one of next year is probably somewhere around seventy five eighty percent. It really comes down to injury and whether or not the organization thinks that he uh, can survive at the plate more or less. Because um, Starling's defense right now is like Mondesi is yeah. major league ready. Very good. Uh, and Starling is a player that can, that has the entire time has been a center fielder. He's always he's always been a center fielder. Everybody thinks that he can stick at that position um, and play it at an above average defensive level. Uh, the bat has always been the question, and and like Sean was saying, the bat itself hasn't been a question in terms of uh i guess i guess what i'm trying to say is the bat hasn't been a question as as to whether or not he will hit at all it's just how average or slightly less than it'll be and whether or not his defense can make up for it um or if he continues to improve will he be will he hit average which will allow his defense to essentially define what his value is. Now, I'm probably more bullish on Starling than most people. Um, I, I, I think that the tools are all there, and I think you started to see last year uh, that he was starting to put it together. He got interrupted by an injury uh, during the season, Um but then he came back and hit better than he did prior to the injury. Um, so I think I think there's there's enough that he has shown over the last year to eighteen months um, that leads me to believe that though he may not hit, uh, he may not have a WRC plus in the majors of one hundred uh, next year. He strikes me as the kind of guy who will consistently improve until sort of his peak age, 27, 28, uh, to become an average to possibly slightly above average hitter, which will kind of boost his value that he'll already have. From his, uh, yeah, and when you kind of talk about chances with Starling, um, my guess is that, yes, Starling. And when you talk about chances with him, I mean, Cameron Mabin, think about how many chances Cameron Mabin's gotten. And he's kind of the same thing where good defense, but I don't know, hasn't been that good of a hitter. Right. So, and you know, else I want to bring up when, in regards to Starling, uh, and I was looking at this earlier today, Austin Jackson. Uh, Austin Jackson just signed with the White Sox. He's gotten tons of chances with different teams. You know, Austin Jackson has some four and five win seasons. Now, you know, he also had some way above average uh, hitting years. But yeah. when he was a 19-year-old or even a 20-year-old in A-ball and high A, um, or, or, Lexington, or not Lexington, but A-ball, 
Um, you know, he had a 95 WRC plus. He hit worse than Starling. So, the, the, and he strikes out a bunch in the major leagues. So, I think given his defense, yeah, I mean, Josh or Max, debate me on who's a better defender in center, Kane or Starling. I mean, I think Kane's like one of the better defenders you'll ever see. I mean, I, so I haven't seen a lot of Starling, but I mean, the scouting reports sound great, but it's hard for me to imagine anyone, many players better than Lorenzo Kane. Josh? I, I mean, the safe money's on Kane because he's done it at the major league level for the last two years, but uh, the scouting reports say that Starling is not. I would I would probably still go with Kane regardless, but Starling scouting reports put him essentially in in, in probably like the the top five, top six, top seven of defensive center fielders. So. Yeah, Starling's got arguably the best arm in the minor leagues. Uh, he's going to stick in center. He's got mm-hmm. at least plus you can maybe argue sixty five, seventy great speed, great reads on balls. I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a better defender and center than Kane. I know we all love Kane, um, but, I mean, uh, effectively they're equal, I think, across the board when it comes to foot speed and it comes to reads off the ball. And then you've got Starling with a much better arm than Kane. So, I I mean, I I would be of the opinion that I don't think it's crazy to think that Starling's a better defender. Maybe maybe he won't put up the setups. Huh? Does he have to cut down the strikeouts, or do you think he can still can he make it to the big leagues being a big strikeout guy like that? Yeah, I mean, if he can get it down to the 26%, 27% range, and he's really on, I think he's in like, last year in A, I think he, I want to say he was a 24% strikeout rate. So he did cut it down in AA. Um, but yeah, I mean, if he can, if he can bring that down, um, and he can kind of boost his walks a bit, and he's had some respectable walk years um, in the lower minors, and then even in Wilmington, uh, never yeah. mind. He played 12 games in Wilmington, but um, even an 8% walk rate as I look at it now. So he walked 8% of the time. He struck out 25% of the time. Yeah, I mean, if he can if he can strike out 25% of the time, walk a little bit, and hit for power, I mean, you know, have some 180, 190-ish ISOs, isolated powers, then, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy that could be with <clears> – <throat> I mean, 10 runs uh, of defense. I mean, you're talking about a 2-3-1 player possibly there. Yeah, I mean, and you were comparing him earlier to uh, Austin Jackson and Cameron Mabin, which I think are some fairly apt comparisons considering where Starling is at in his career. But both of those players have had yeah. above-average seasons. I mean, even Cameron Mabin had a four-win season right. at one point. Right. Um, and he's probably the definition of, like, <laughs> volatile <laughs> in terms sure. of production. Yeah. Uh, particularly among prospects like this, like Cameron Maben, like Bubba Starling. Um, honestly, I think I think if Bubba Starling hits as well as Gerard Dyson, he's likely to be a more valuable player. So if he manages a, a weighted runs created plus of 85, oh, yeah. right around there, then I, I think his value is essentially the same as Dyson's. I just think they accrue it in different ways. Dyson with his base dealing, which is also an aspect of Starling's game that I think people overlook. And it's also something that 
as far as what I've read, he doesn't work on as much because he's been focusing so much on improving hitting that he has the ability to steal bases. He just hasn't necessarily done it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I, I mean, I think Starling is, is the. I think the probably the median outcome is for him to knock around the major leagues for a few years and post a random three-and-a-half to four-win season while other years posting seasons around one to 1.5, just depending on how his, you know, hitting shapes up. But I, I think the, I think the, the probably more realistic outcome is that he's a guy who has an OPS around 725 uh, and plays really good defense, which is a really valuable thing, particularly for a guy who can stick in center field like he can. Yeah. So look out, Royals fans. Bubba Starling's coming, and he's coming to the stadium near you. <laughs> let's, yeah. uh, and let's, you can blame—I guess you can blame me if it if it doesn't happen. But we definitely will. I did say July first of next year. So All right, we'll book it. I, no, I think you're right about that. I think they're gonna—I think he's gonna be up sooner than, than everyone thinks. Uh, yeah. let's, let's talk about a couple of uh, new Royals prospects: uh, Ash Russell. And Nolan Watson, uh, both 2015 first-round picks. Watson was, I guess, more of a sandwich pick. Uh, These guys tend to get lumped in together by a lot of the prospect lists because they're both Indiana prep pitchers. Sean, you kind of separated them a little bit. You actually had Watson fourth, uh, who was taken after Russell. Russell, you have him eighth. What's kind of the thing that separates them in your mind? Tell us a little about these these guys not familiar with. Russell's the better pitcher, um, stuff-wise. Uh, but it's played down due to kind of his delivery. It's played down due to his, I think you could classify as below. I mean, it's, it's definitely below average command at this point. Um, but will, where will it project to be? Um, I just like Watson a, a lot more. I think that I think ranking Watson four and Russell eight might be a little more deceiving than the four spot difference. I don't there I don't think I think you look at four against eight, you go, Oh yeah, well he's he's a lot higher on the list, but I think it's a little closer given how kind of meh the system is. Um, you know, four through eight in a deep, deep system might be a little bigger than four through you know, four versus eight on this one. So but Watson, uh, you know, he's almost got the fastball speed as velocity-wise, as Russell has, I think he's only a couple miles an hour, two or three shorter. He's got a slider. I think the changeup is better. Um, and, you know, they're both right-handed. And I think you're just wishing a lot more, or let me say, I think you're projecting a lot more with Russell to have a higher floor. I mean, excuse me, a higher ceiling. But I think the lower floor is going to be a reliever. Um, I think I had Russell classified as a uh, reliever, I want to say, in my draft board that I did. Uh, and I'm still sticking to that as the more likely outcome, a little bit of the Almonte outcome. Uh, but I, I would go with Watson, even though he's not as sexy as Russell. Um, he's better looking than Russell uh, aesthetic-wise, but he's not as better looking as a prospect um, than than Russell is. So I, I, I like Watson a little bit more given the uh, lower ceiling, higher floor. So you're saying this is the most mass system in the history of uh, whatever? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Uh, 
I don't know. The angel system is is is, is, is a definite. Yeah, I mean, I I can't. Yeah, I wouldn't trade. I don't know. I wouldn't trade. Air Cosmer for all 30 of their players uh, or even anything like, you know, I couldn't do it, so. Hey Josh, uh, it seems like the Royals have a lot of these high high reward, high, reward, high risk, high reward high school guys in the list. Uh, is, do you have like a philosophy on like, do you prefer college guys, high school guys, a mix of them? What do you, is there any kind of philosophy you like with, you know, as far as the draft? Uh, I, I, I don't personally necessarily have a, a preference um i'm just a bpa guy the yeah. best player available regardless of uh sort of age or situation however um i think uh, i i think taking prep pitchers in last year uh, makes sense from the perspective of the royals because they know that they have well especially now with Ian Kennedy being around for the next two years, that they have assurances that their rotation is, is more or less going to be in place and that they won't have to push guys the way that maybe they have historically um, with your Danny Duffy's or your, your Dano's Ventura. Um, so t- taking prep guys in a draft like last year, I mean, they also happen to be, if not the best player available, by my board, uh, or maybe even Sean's, they were certainly not... I mean, it's not like they took Christian Cologne over Austin Meadows. Or Hunter Dozier, sorry, over Austin Meadows, which was 2013. Like, Nolan Watson and Nash Russell were both regarded as the best prep pitchers in that draft, or at least in the in the conversation for it. Um, my preference is, is typically for... If I had to state a preference, it would probably be for college pitchers from elite programs, uh, just because I think you get more assurance uh, in terms of their uh, viability. They may not be like the top shelf guys, um, but I think you, you can consistently turn out sort of two win pitchers uh, from college arms. Whereas there's just so much, so much volatility in terms of where they'll end up, if they'll have surgery, how long they'll be out, if their stuff will play up as they grow into their bodies over you know age 18, 19, 20, 21. Um, so I think the safer bet is always kind of in the college arm, uh, but then again you get into questions of how they've been used in college. Um, so teams get a little more assurance that uh, prep pitchers aren't going to be used <laughs> or abused um, in, in a college system for you know two, three, four years before they uh, make it into their system. So I, I think a, a mix is healthy, um, but honestly, I I just have to come back to taking the best player available. There is one thing to note uh, in Sean's discussion of, of Nolan Watson and Nash Russell, and it's a minor deal, but I think it's big enough to mention, is that Ash Russell is, is five months older, so he turns 20 this this year, whereas Nolan Watson doesn't turn 20 until January of next year. Did I say they're the same age? No, 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 no. Oh, okay. You didn't. I'm just, I'm just pointing it out as a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Because... Although five months doesn't mean anything when you're 22 years old, uh, five months at 18 or five months at 19 is uh, 
it can mean quite a bit in terms of uh, how you grow over the uh, next two or three years right. as you progress. And you can change. I mean, five months could change what draft you're in. You could be five months yeah. late to the you know 2016 draft or you know whatnot. So, yeah. um, and I didn't and know I, this either. Russell, I guess I never caught this. Russell was the first prep pitcher taken in the draft yeah. in 2014. Oh, okay. I I thought the I guess if you don't count Brady Aiken, uh, which is what I was remembering, Brady Aiken got taken <laughs> a, uh, a couple of spots sign, before. No, Aiken did, but he was at whatever IMG Academy, and I think they uh, count that yeah. as like a post-prep school essentially. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, have you seen pictures of Russell and, and Watson? That, they they look like that would be. Kids. Yeah. If you wanted, if you wanted me to state a, a non-preference, pitchers that hold out are are pitchers that I avoid almost patently. <laughs> So your Luke Hochavers and Aaron Crows. So your Luke Hochavers, your Aaron Crows, and your Mark Appels yeah. are all guys that I and Brady Aiken. Uh, wait, yeah, Aiken yeah, held Aiken. out. Yeah. Well, I don't know if he held out. Uh, let's not get into that. He's yeah. that, that was but, a thorny situation with yeah. Astros. And, well, he so, was Indians now, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So putting aside Aiken, Appel, Hochaver, and Crow are all guys that. All-star Aaron Crow. Yeah, all-star Aaron Crow. Yeah, those are uh, those are all pitchers that I have a tendency to avoid. The key to the Brian Flynn trade. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. right. We'll be talking about that for years. And neither of them pitched last season. Yeah, they were both injured the entire time. Well, uh, Sean, we got to talk about your boy Hunter Dozier. Uh, oh. what's uh, what's going on with him? He's former first-round pick. Disastrous season last year. Yeah. Is he, uh, is he a lost cause? Remember when he was a mid-season top fifty prospect, and I, I was like, "Yeah, man, I love, I, I really liked him a lot. Um, I still like him. I mean, I still think he's actually got a, a floor of, uh, a, a, you know, a backup third baseman. Uh, he's defensively good there. He's got a strong arm. He's got the power kind of you like out of third base. Um, but yeah, I mean, he really kind of messed his swing up. I don't know if he messed it up. It's not that big of an overhaul, but it's enough that, you know, he got up to double A." Which is a huge jump up, one of the I think what the second biggest jump they call it. Um, yet, you know, he felt overwhelmed on chasing off speed stuff. I know that the the great uh, Clint Scholes, who is much smarter than I am, um, he has issues with Dozier and his inability to hit uh, kind of you know double A, triple A velocity. Um, I haven't seen that problem necessarily. Uh, but I do think that he gets beat a lot on um, off-speed stuff, particularly change-ups, um, and he'll chase at curveballs in the dirt on 0-2. Um, he does foul off a lot from kind of my anecdotal uh, remembrance here, so I think that gets him kind of deep in counts. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's from reports I've read, and I hadn't seen it necessarily, um, but from reports I've read, he slowly made his way back to his kind of previous mechanics. Um, but there's enough floor there that you can dream on him turning it around. It's not out of the question, and he'll get like Starling, a guy his size, and Dozier's a, a big. I mean, he looks like a baseball player, definitely. Um, a guy kind of his size that can stay at third base, has a strong arm. You know, if he doesn't, if the Royals cut him in two, three years from now, he'll get on somewhere else, and he'll keep getting a couple chances. So um, it's hard to figure out where he's at now. But he's definitely low. Definitely lost a lot of stock. Um, you know, it's turning out that that 2014 draft it might be. It's hard to say it was a complete bust because Manaya, you know, got uh, Zobrist and whatnot. But you know, we the Royals might come up effectively empty future value wise from that draft. 
um, which is which is sad news. Except for my boy Chase Below was taken on that draft. So <laughs> there's that's that's probably the most disappointing draft that I remember at the time that it happened. I mean, with the way Sean Manaya worked out, I was kind of okay, but. When the Royals drafted Hunter Dozier ahead of Austin Meadows, um, yeah, I don't know if I've been more upset <laughs> about a baseball draft than I was the day that I, that that happened. Be- because Austin Meadows for me was my, um, I think he was my second highest rated player on the board at that time. With behind, uh, I think it would have been was it Frazier. Oh no! Yeah. You like Meadows a lot more than Frazier. Never mind. No, I I liked Meadows more than <laughs> Frazier, but it was um, well that that thirteen draft was the it would have been Colin Moran, I guess. Ooh, but that's Moran was taking two picks ahead. Dozier was the eighth overall pick, or was it Chris Bryant? Followed it's, by uh, Austin Meadows, Phil yeah. Bickford, who the Royals were connected to at some yeah. point. Dominic Smith, who's pretty, who's uh, doing pretty well. Yeah. DJ my, Peterson, who's been a bust. My man um, Hunter Renfro, the guy uh, chased down a deer in a field. <laughs> um, but yeah, you probably but, like Bryant, I'm guessing, Josh, because yeah, everybody yeah. loved Bryant. Um, I think but everybody I, did. I like John Gray. I, I think Meadows was number two behind Bryant for me. Yeah, and um, I'm sorry. Let me correct myself. Below was was uh, was 14, not 13. Um, Below was in the Finnegan draft, but that same thing applies. That Finnegan draft, Finnegan's gone. Cody Reed is gone. Below is still there. Um, Carter Hope is not good. Zane Evans is not good. Farrell's <laughs> hurt. Uh, Fuka Foka is whatever he is. So yeah, I'm I mean, that's, Fuka yeah. Fuka. Yeah, Fuka 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 Fuka. Yeah. Watch your mouth. Yeah, I'm sorry. Fuka Fuka. Uh, yeah, John Jejic or Jejic, excuse me. So I don't know. Zidzik. Yeah, that's a tough draft, man. Daniel Rocket got suspended, so that's not so, fun. I just. I like I like to depressingly remind myself that Austin Meadows, yeah, put up a 134 WRC plus as a 20 year old last year, yeah, in but high A, and then followed it up with a 200. He's good in, in six he's, games in Double A, but he's not a center fielder though. If only that. He's not a center fielder, but he's. Mm. All right, let's talk about Royals prospects. Yeah. We're boring people. <laughs> let's not so, depress our readers anymore. Hey, hey, can we talk about Josh, my man Josh Stamont for a second? Yeah, let's talk about. So he throws hundred miles an hour, and uh, let's see. I, I mean, he was kind of all over a lot of the prospect yeah. lists. You had him, uh, I think, number eleven. Yes, and he kind of was in the, kind of the eleven to twenty range for a lot of prospect lists, yeah. but left off some other ones. Yeah. What's uh what's uh, what's up with this guy? He throws 100 miles an hour. Does he does he have a future if he yeah. can he throws strikes? I, so, I have a question. So he oh go ahead, Josh. Is he related to Colt Griffin at all? Uh, probably not. Okay, then. I, should uh, be good. Colt would, Griffin, the, the former first round pick that yeah. threw 100, 100 miles an hour, but uh-huh. didn't know where it was going. Um, so Stamont, he's gotten up to 104. I think is a report. He's at least gotten 103. I've seen multiple 103s. Um, and there's been some 104s right up there with uh, Ray Black of the Giants. So those are the two guys with the two fastest fastballs. Um, has has Chapman got the 104? Anyways, uh, so Stamont, I love this dude. Uh, I really wish the Royals would just say, you know what, dude, you're not going to be a starter. We're kidding ourselves. You're 22 years old. I think you might be 23 now. Um, you can't find the strike zone at all. 
you don't have a third pitch, you're going to be a reliever. But you know what? The good news is you could be Craig Kimbrell level, or you could be Roll the Chapman level uh, reliever if you if you try hard enough. And um, it's all about getting the command in line. Uh, you know, thankfully he's got coaches that aren't you know college coaches. Now he's got professional coaches. Well, not that they're not professional, but he's now he's got you know major league level coaches um, getting him in his line. Um, but yeah, I mean you've got uh, easily one of the best fastballs, if not the best fastball in the, all the minor leagues. Um, it's definitely a plus curveball. That thing is awesome. Uh, looks completely different as far as the, the way that you're, you've got the fastball. You're always expecting his fastball just because it's so good, and then he just drops a slow kind of hammer on you that's um, even got a little bit of a slurve to it at times. So there is no third pitch. Uh, the changeup, uh, not even close. Um, but it plays up a little bit, actually, due to his fastball when he does it at the same arm speed. But I think that... Um, he might as well just scrap the change up, go fastball, curveball like Craig Kimbrell is, and just go ahead and close the book on the ninth inning. Um, maybe not the ninth inning, but at least the eighth and seventh innings. So in his minor league career, I'm looking at he's he's pitched 40 innings, 58 strikeouts, but 32 walks, just 21 hits allowed too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that's that seems like future reliever at this point. There's a lot of fun, yeah, a lot of fun in him. His overall thing. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising if in two years from now he's not in baseball anymore. Um, but it, it's definitely one of the funnest guys to watch. And um, if he's, you know, who knows? Really, he could be out of baseball within two, three years, or he could be in the Royals bullpen in the eighth inning uh, in two years. So, do you guys know of any examples of guys with like super high walk rates in the minors that kind of got him under control after? Um, didn't you bring a, Didn't you make a comparison to Carlos Marmol? Yeah, I don't know if Marmol walked. Let me pull up Marmol right now because Marmol had some years where he was just god awful walk wise. Some, I mean, I think one year looking at it, 2010, he walked six batters per nine innings, uh, but he also struck out almost 16 and still, as a reliever, almost had a three win season, which is just as good as Wade Davis has ever done. Um, so that's. I mean, that's the upside there. You know, the downside is uh, 2012 Carlos Momol, who who struck out 11 batters but walked seven and a quarter. So, um, yeah, there's a lot there. Let me see. I know Chapman was a starter, but let me see how Chapman did. I don't recall how good he was in the minors, um, walk-wise. Uh, Randy Johnson, I guess, would be a... Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say... He was super wild in the minors, but yeah, he had trouble throwing strikes a lot early as early. Yeah, I mean, his... His walk rates were pretty high. Yeah, and Chapman didn't play enough in the minors to really care about because he, he in AAA had a season where he started, but he walked five batters but struck out 11. So, yeah, I don't know. Not that I can think of, but there haven't been very many 104-mile-per-hour fastballs in the minors to begin Holy with. Holy cow, so. Randy Johnson walked 152 guys in 200 innings in the major leagues. Jeez. Yeah. No, he, he was absurdly wild yeah. like, even when he uh, broke in. To the major leagues, to the point where I I forget, there's some kind of apocryphal story between uh, in the early '90s when he actually sort of figured out like it. They changed like one almost minuscule and possibly not even important thing regarding his delivery that completely uh, corrected like his command issues essentially in one off season. 
Uh, I wish I could remember what it was. Yeah, there's a pretty significant drop from 92 to 93, it looks like. Where, yeah, he goes from 6.2 walks per nine to 3.5. So, yeah, he, he figured it out at age 28. Yeah. Hopefully the Orioles get it quicker than that out of style. <laughs> yeah, it was Nolan yeah. Ryan. Um, Nolan Ryan. Ryan, I forget what he... Gosh, I can't think of what he made. He suggested to him, yeah, that he... It was, yeah, it was something mechanically. But I remember that story. It was with Nolan Ryan. God, I can't think of it either, Josh. If you can... If you can Google it and figure it out, let me know. And Ryan had some command issues as well. He walked, what, yeah. he walked yeah. uh, 6.9 per nine innings as a 24-year-old, and eventually kind of was never great throwing strikes, but got a lot better. So. Oh, so he, Ryan suggested that he land on the ball of his foot, and almost immediately he began finding the strike zone more consistently. So he would uh, huh. he would land on his heel more often, and then he said, no, no, stop landing on your heel, start landing on your foot. And he would be offline from home plate when he was on his heel, but when he moved to playing on his foot, that clicked yeah. everything. So let's let me let me tweet Josh Stamont real quick and have him try that out <laughs> to see how that works. And that's uh, that's Nolan Ryan who led the league in walks eight times, has the most walks of all time, and once walked <laughs> two hundred hitters in one season. <laughs> right. So yeah. you know what? Let's just call him Nolan Ryan. I mean, there's no <laughs> well, and what's the downside? And the thing about Stelmont is, uh, I mean, his his fastball is huge. Yeah, like it's it's not even that it's good. It's you're not even like it's not even that it's great. Like in terms of just pure stuff, like his fastball is one of the best, if not the best, like in the minor leagues. Yes, like it's it's absurd. The problem is is that he needs to figure out where it's going uh, and then it, it, and that will help his curveball play up more because right now as far as I can tell hitters are, are able to recognize when it's not a fastball um, and that pretty much tells them that it's not going to be in the strike zone so they um, but Stallmont's upside is, is tremendous like he his upside right now is essentially the best well, maybe second best reliever that the Royals have ever had. Like yeah. it's like his ceiling is is ridiculously high. However, his floor is also ridiculously low. Like like Sean was saying, there's a very real possibility that he never figures out his command and you know doesn't even make the major leagues, even as like a September call up. Like there's that's a very real possibility for a guy that volatile, but. He's got he's got something that most pitchers in the minor leagues don't have, which is one essentially eighty grade pitch. Yeah, that, that that he can fashion a career after. He's the he well you know never mind. But so he's the Joey Gallo of pitchers. But Joey Gallo has a really strong arm. He's not just all power. So, but anyway, yeah. I'm with you there. That yeah, he's got. I mean, you can't teach velocity. Um, there's the the old idiom on that. But yeah, god dang, the dude. And the beauty of it is what I really absolutely love is that he throws 102, 103 like he's just in the backyard with his dad, just throwing the ball back and forth. The, the delivery is so easy. It's just a matter of kind of, you know, repetition, getting used to that there. And they'll make tweaks in his change uh, in his delivery to hopefully kind of bring him in line. But, man, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm very, I'm very rarely excited for prospects, but I'm excited for, for Stamon. 
and you're not alone. I mean, Baseball America today, this, this week, mentioned him as a guy that's a sleeper prospect, could jump into the top 100 next year if he has a solid season, learns to throw a strike. So he's kind of a, I think he's kind of a you know, guy that could make the system look a lot better with a good season. Sean, who are some other guys that you think are kind of down on your list uh, and are kind of sleepers that maybe with a good season could show something and, and move up quite a bit? Yeah, um, I'm ready for to see a, a – we'll probably only see – well, I think we'll see a short season of – excuse me. <clears throat> oh, my goodness, of uh, Garrett Davila um, or Davila, excuse me. Um, they held him out from drafting. He was a 2015 draft pick. Uh, they held him out. They wanted him to gain some weight. He was a very tiny guy. Reports are that he gained 25 pounds, uh, which is a lot for a guy because he's not a tall kid at all. Um, excited to see a full season from him. Uh, left-hander, had a velocity jump when he was uh, in his draft year. He's got a nice little curveball. He's got average command. Um, I, I really want to see a full season from him. Uh, I want to see Ben Johnson. Uh, I don't know why I love Ben Johnson. Probably never, ever going to actually see the major leagues. I had him 25th overall on my list, but uh, love what he brings to the field. Super fast runner. Got a great arm because he was a quarterback in high school. Uh, he hit the Big 12. He was a college outfielder. Uh, hit really well in the Big 12. Led them in a couple categories or finished, I think, top 10, actually, in a couple categories. Um, we'll see about power. I think he's the Royals' number one breakout candidate. Um, I also really love uh, Tra- Travis Mazies. Um, he didn't play very much in his junior year, and I think this year, past year as well, another 2015 draft guy. Um, he, he's out of Michigan, I think? Michigan, yeah. Yeah, yeah. he played shortstop. He's probably going to be a third baseman instead. Um, it's kind of similar in the profile of, uh, well, maybe not Hunter Dozier-ish, but it's kind of a line drive swing. Uh, Dozier has more power, but uh, I've spoken to a couple people, you know, not high-level scouts or anything, but a couple people whose opinion I really like, and they could see him hitting 20 home runs one day um, out of third base and, you know, a nice swing. You could be looking at a plus hit tool, or maybe not a plus, but at least an average hit tool. Uh, So I like him. Um, in the Royals, I have a couple Tommy John surgery bounce back candidates that I ranked right after each other. Uh, Colin Rogers at 31, Brian Brickhouse at 32. Uh, both recently had Tommy John. Uh, both have nice little fastballs, nice curveballs, uh, and we'll see about their changeups. But they're going to be guys that um, they're not necessarily young anymore. Brickhouse is 23, Rogers is 21 or 22. Um, so we kind of need them to start getting things going. They're probably going to be in Wilmington or uh, Northwest Arkansas. Uh, they're two big guys I like seeing as possible breakouts. And uh, let me just keep going down the list. Um, Anderson Miller actually is a little higher up on my list. He's at 28th. Uh, really like him. Definition of kind of a gritty guy. Um, like his speed. He's got surprising power for, well, he's not that short, but he's, he looks a little shorter in his pictures than he is. But um, I, I really, really like what he brings to the game as well. College guy there as well. Went to Western Kentucky. Uh, so he's going to probably start in Lexington. Um, actually, no, I think he'll actually probably start in Wilmington. Um, could see him. A lot of love has been going over to um, Alfredo Escalera. Um We'll still see. I'm still not sold on him. I ranked him at 27th right in front of Anderson Miller. Um, he's definitely kind of one of those twick, quick twitch guys. Uh, speedy. Definitely looks like a baseball player. 
Um, definitely has grown up, too. Uh, he was the youngest player ever drafted. He looks a lot more physically built, a lot older than when he was drafted a few years back. Um, we'll see how he kind of continues to go from there. And um, Jake Junis will be the last guy. I, I want to see Jake Junis. Uh, I really kind of like, I think he's got one of the better uh, change up in the org- change-ups in the organization. Um, but actually, I'm sorry, one of the better curveballs in the organization. Uh, not one of the better change-ups. He's got just an okay change-up. But I like his, uh, his command uh, a lot there. And he's got, you know, at least an average or better fastball. So those are the couple guys that I think that we'll keep an eye on. Um, but I'm telling you guys, Chase Fallow, let this dude hit. Give him two, three years. Just wait and see. Josh, do you have any uh, kind of sleepers that you maybe are floating under the radar that you really like and think can uh, take a step forward this year? Um, I don't know how much of a sleeper he is, but Matt Strom is a guy that I'll probably be looking at really closely over the next year. Um, he had, he lost a season to Tommy John in 2013. Um, last year he improved his walk rate, uh, dramatically while his strikeout rate stayed high. Um, I mean, I, it was over 10. I don't remember what the number was specifically, but, uh, his, his ERA, uh, dropped as well. He'll probably end up in double a he might actually start there depending on how aggressive they want to be with him um he'll go Strom, to, yeah he'll go to double a yeah strom's a guy that uh i'll probably be looking at pretty closely <laughs> for the rest of this year he's he's a left-hander he doesn't uh, necessarily uh he's got he's got essentially three average to pl- like above pitches <coughs> None of them necessarily jump out at you the way, you know, Stalmont might or even Miguel Almonte, but uh, he knows how to use them effectively. Um, his strikeout rates have always been good. Um, they actually started using him as a starter last year when he had been a reliever uh, since coming into the system. He was a bit old for high A last year, um, so that's kind of another drawback on him. He was 23 uh, while he was making his way through that season, so that's... About, uh, what is that, two, maybe three years? I think it's two years above the average. So, uh, But if he can put up a similar type season in AA next year, then uh, especially if they stick with him as a starter, then he's a kind of guy that uh, could easily crack the top ten of the uh, prospect list for next year. Um, Sean had him at, uh, or sorry, could easily be at the top of the prospect list, especially if Zimmer isn't there anymore um, and if Mondesi continues to struggle. Um, Sean had him at number five yeah. on his board, so he's not really a sleeper per se. Um, but his performance la- last year, coupled with the fact that they are now starting to use him as a reliever and the fact that he's uh, a local guy from uh, um, Chanute, Kansas. Uh, are all reasons why that I, I will be paying attention to him. The only other one, and it's also not a sleeper so much as it is a request <laughs> for him to start performing better, is uh, Jorge Bonifacio. Um, he's had two straight years of, well, frankly bad to now just kind of meh. Um, he has dealt with a series of uh, injuries from like his hand to his knee to I think he had a quad injury at one point 
um, and then he re-injured his knee or something like that. But yep. it's all been kind of these minor things that have just sort of really kind of pecked away at him over the last two years. Um, he broke his wrist, or his hamate bone as well. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, kind of the big one. And um, it's the kind of injury that uh, can really kind of destroy your swing for a while. Um, so I'm hoping that he can, with a healthy hand, <laughs> uh, can start um, putting up the numbers that he was putting up before kind of this uh, litany of injuries started. Because um, as recently as 2013, he was uh, kind of an up-and-comer, and he was a guy that was easily making the, the top ten of most people's prospect lists. And um, now he's just kind of... He exists, yeah. <laughs> but nobody's really talking about him anymore. Um, and he's on the forty man, I think. I want to say, or yeah, is yeah, he? Okay. Added. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So um, I think I think the Royals are at least hoping that he'll uh, uh, turn it around and and can maybe start producing offensively because he'll he'll play in right field. Um, his defense isn't great; um, it's not Starling level or anything like that, but. Uh, it's probably no. Alex Rios's defense is, is it's it's probably around that level. And he's got. I guess I should say. Yeah, yeah. I'm not um, sure about that. I mean, Rios's defense isn't like he might have a good year, but like you know, so Wait, Bonifacio is. Are you talking like 2013 Alex Rios or like prime Alex Rios? Uh, I'm talking about basically last year. Oh, okay. Alex Rios, but Prime Alex Rios yeah, was like a five-one player. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. It would not last year. Then I guess it would. Wait. Yeah, years. like two years ago. Two thousand fourteen. No, last last year. year he was, you know, negative point two. So he was essentially, mm-hmm. you know, kind of yeah. average. Yes. Yeah. Or mediocre. That's probably about what Bonifacio's defense is. His. Oh, a lot defense. of people rate a lot of okay. people rate his arm as being the best part of his defense, but. Uh, Nobody really knows how it plays anymore, or at least nobody is really kind of concerned with it because everybody's been focusing on the fact that he hasn't really hit very much since 2013. Um, but he's acceptable, I guess, is probably the best way. He's not Jose Guillen. He's not Jeff Francoeur. And this is a bad thing, or? No, it's a good thing. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um... So, it's probably inconsistent, I guess, is, is the point that I'm making with the Alex Rios thing. Because Rios has had good years and bad years defensively. Um, and I think Bonifacio is fairly similar along those lines. Uh, he's also still, uh, he'll turn 23 this year, despite the fact that he's been in the system since 2010. Oh, jeez. So, um, Wait, he's, oh, yeah. he's still a young guy. So it's not. I mean, relatively speaking. It's kind so, of crazy. I think his brother's already retired, hasn't he? <laughs> Emilio. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so forcefully Bonif- retired. We should Bonifacio probably. Is, <laughs> Bonifacio is somebody that I'm rooting for um, more so than I think may you know necessarily break out in a huge way. Raymond Fuentes is also another guy to yeah. pay attention to. Um, On the forty man as well. Right. Again, not necessarily a sleeper. And uh, 
but is somebody that I think is probably worth paying attention to. And then Alfredo Escalera, Maldonado, Elier Hernandez is always a guy that you hope will, you know, do something at some point. It's kind of like Mondesi, but without the defense. At least nobody rates Hernandez's defense as well as they rate Mondesi's. Yeah, he's, but he's a, you know, he's a 21-year-old. So in Lexington, who had a huge signing bonus out of as an international guy, so it's yeah. I was gonna say he he's Mondesi without the defense, but with the same signing bonus. Essentially. Yeah, basically. They drive the same um, car. Yeah. So. And other than that, I mean, there's there's guys that you know you could probably pick and choose here and there. Um, Suli Matias, yeah, just because you know the name, and he's young. He's a dude, uh, uh like Mibris Valoria. Yeah, Mibris. Yeah, I'll, I'll put my two cents in for uh, Martin yeah. Gasparini. Uh, okay, yeah, Italian kid. Gasparini's I, a guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think you, Sean, you had him ranked twenty first, uh, and he's kind of top ten, top or top twenty, I think, for a lot of lists. But so he's not a, a deep sleeper or anything like that. But he's a kid they signed out of Italy, which is not a hotbed of talent. But, yeah. You know, he's only eighteen, and he was in Idaho Falls playing against you know college graduates, twenty yeah. twenty one year olds, and uh, he held his own. I thought. I mean, two fifty nine average, three forty one on base, uh, four eleven slug, but that's a little misleading because he had ten triples in fifty four games. Yeah. Because he's just an absolute burner out there. Uh, twenty six steals in fifty four games. Uh, can draw some walks, but also strikes out. Right. Um, and, he, yeah, from what I've heard from Keith Law and some others, he doesn't have the defense to stay at shortstop. He's probably going to move to the outfield. But, you know, a, a speedy guy who can kind of hold his own offensively against college pitchers is, is pretty intriguing to me. He's really young. He speaks I mean, three languages, by the way. He can be the future, you know, translator for yep. the Royals. For any more Italian players. Yep. So, yeah, I don't know. I think he's, he's an intriguing guy. Uh, million, he's a million years away from major leagues, but um, yeah. just a guy to keep your eye on. Um, Alec Mills, I, I was glad to see the, Sean. You ranked him, um, you know, fairly high at, at thirteen. Uh, he was a Royals minor league pitcher of the year last year. A little old, but I guess he's probably appropriate age for the Carolina League, yeah. at age twenty-three. And he had but, Tommy John, so he missed a year. Tommy John survivor, but his numbers are just eye popping with one hundred eleven strikeouts, one hundred thirteen innings, just fourteen walks. Yeah. It's a pitcher's leg, but I think that's, you know, that's, and his stuff's supposed to be kind of mediocre at best, but, um, you know, I'll be really interested to see if his stuff plays well at double A this year. I mean, he could be just, you know, another Christian Benford who kind of struggles at the higher levels, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on him just in case. Oh, yeah, and he's, he's, he's Benford with a better fastball and a better curveball and a better third, I, yeah, I mean... It's really, really good command from Mills there. Um, uh, just as good as Benford, maybe, maybe, yeah. I, you know what? I'd probably put them pretty close and way better stuff. So yeah, I mean, if people like Benford, you should really like Mills. Who, um, I, I think, yeah. I mean, as you nailed it, he, he's on the forty man, and he could uh, could see some time in the majors. You know, by twenty seventeen. And he's really put up good numbers ever since he became a pro. So I mean, yeah. it's yeah. not like a one year thing. Yeah. And then I'm going to make the case for Balbino Fuenmayor. Oh, even though you no. had him ranked, you had him ranked way down at 39. He's I'm going to be the Jeffrey Flanagan of this. Okay, so first of all, he's not. He, first of all, he tore it up in Double A last year. 977 OPS, 
Yes, it's a Texas league, but that's those are pretty impressive numbers. He's not like on the wrong side of thirty either. He's last year was his age twenty five season. He's only he's less than two years older than Hunter Dozier. He's older than me. He's almost actually no. I'm a few months older than him, but I yes, know. he is old. He is old, but he's not super. It's not like he's a twenty eight year old playing against twenty one year olds. Sure. But and I realize he is very defensively limited. He's pretty much a DH. That's that's probably an understatement. But those kind of offensive numbers, that kind of power is, and, you know, very good chance he washes out as a quad A guy. But I guess talk a little bit why you also had like guys like Brett Eibner, uh, who a lot of Royals fans like uh, because yeah. He, you know, I saw him season Omaha last year, but he's twenty six years old, twenty seven now. Yeah, you had him ranked at fifty. Uh, Jose Martinez at 51. What was kind of your thinking having these, I guess, I mean, it's mostly the age, I guess, but what's kind of your thinking having those guys that are AAA? Yeah. Well, putting up good numbers at AAA. Yeah. They're all, uh, I'm just going to make a generalization. They're all at least as old as me or older than me. Um, And I don't know, man. Brett Eibner. Okay, so I'll start with Eibner. Uh, yeah, it's awesome. Good power, good speed, awesome strong arm. But you know what? I know he had a good year in AAA, but he also, I think he's played AAA. He's definitely repeated AAA, and I want to say he even played a little bit uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, so, no, he's only played AAA. He's got collectively about almost 800 at-bats or played appearances in AAA. It's the same Eibner. I mean, I know he was good uh, this year. But it's a lot of it's dependent upon power. Uh, he had his best power season last year. Did see the strikeouts cut down, but also saw his batting average on balls in play um, hit a career high. And so, I don't know. I didn't see any, any changes at the plate for him necessarily. I'm more than happy to be wrong. He's always done a great job of taking walks, pairing that with the strikeouts. Um, but I don't know. I still see a guy that's going to strike out 25 to uh, higher than that. I'd say probably 30% of the time when he's in the major leagues. It's not It's not just a only fastball hitter to me, um, but it's a guy who hits a fastball a lot better than he hits anything else. Um, which, yeah, that's true to most guys, but it's maybe a little more exaggerated with Eibner. Um, Martinez is the kind of the same case. Old guy in AAA, had injuries, you know, that really set him back when he was young. Uh, was once a pretty good prospect, well, maybe not pretty good, but he was a top 10 prospect, uh, you know, years and year back. But, I mean, I don't know. It's just, you've got to do, you've got to be, um, I, I, I'm blanking on his name, but it takes a lot to impress me um, in AAA, being a 25, 26-year-old. And the, uh, the only recent time I can recall is what's his name with the Nationals, um, that's now in the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, oh, Souza? Yeah, yeah, Steven Souza. And, and Souza is just is a little bit kind of like where um, Jose Martinez, or even Few and Mayor, Souza, I think, basically quit the major leagues. Uh, and then on his way, on like I think like on his drive home, his like college coach called and said, hey, you can't do this, and he turned back around. So <laughs> you, you've just got to do a lot. And Souza hit uh, a lot in Eibner and Martinez are younger, or excuse me, are older than Souza was, and I thought Souza was old for his age. So I just don't see it. I'm happy to be wrong, um, but when you're 26 and you're striking out, you know, 25% of the time, um, it just doesn't get my juices flowing. 
Yeah, I, I know kind of reminds me of like the, the guy that um, when the Chiefs have the preseason, you know, and there's always like a running back, <laughs> a quarterback that looks really good in the preseason games and all the fans get yeah. super excited about him and then you never hear about him ever again. And I think Eidner, I mean, he'll get a few at-bats in the main yeah. games, I'm sure, just because he's so close right now, but I don't know. Yeah. He strikes out too much. His batting average, I mean, he was, he was a career 240 hitter before last year. Something, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not going to play. Um, I don't know, Josh, do you like any of the any of the guys that have hit well at AAA that are on the old side? Um, Dusty Coleman. You love Dusty Coleman, don't you, Josh? Orlando Carlite? Yeah. Carlite. Um, I, I don't know if I, I like any of them in particular. I wouldn't rate them as lowly as, as Sean does, but it's not necessarily because we disagree in terms of what their actual value is. Um, I just put more emphasis on proximity to reaching the major leagues and whether or not you actually get there or could be there potentially usually wins out uh, for me. So when you rate a guy like Brett Eibner 50th, who is 27 in AAA, um, over behind a guy like Christian Vasquez, who had an OPS of like 530. <laughs> Yeah, but what's the, the difference the, between the what's the difference between a, forty and fifty in the organization, or forty nine and fifty? No, I, I mean, and that's and that gets to my point though. Is I'm saying Eibner should probably be somewhere around like twenty five. Uh, there's still Not, upside on all those. That's my kind of thing. Is there's still upside on all those guys? I, I think we know what Eibner's up. Well, I think we know what Eibner is at this point. Uh, those other guys, we don't necessarily know. We're projecting them. So that's kind of why I've got, you know, Sam yeah. Selman above Eibner. Uh, right. Just because Selman could be a reliever uh, in the major leagues. Eibner probably can't even be a fourth outfielder. But that's just me. Even though, actually, I graded him as a fourth. I take that back. He probably isn't going to be, <laughs> but I think that's his ceiling. Yeah. And that's and that's and that's fair. I mean, and that's that's certainly a way to evaluate it, but I give a strong amount of weight to the ability to be in the major leagues tomorrow. Even and if not, you're not but even if you're not, not and not be Eduardo Viasi. Okay. Yeah, and I was kinda of surprised like you had Chesler Cuthbert ranked thirtieth, who is I mean, he's literally like an injury away from getting substantial playing time in the big leagues behind but he's on your list. He's behind a guy like um, like Travis Mazies, who's you know who may not even reach AAA. So yeah, but I mean, but what good is 500 plate appearances if you're a replacement or below level player? I mean, like I know these guys are close to the majors, but it's like what I mean, it's like Jeremy Guthrie. It's the 200 innings, you know, kind of thing. It's like cool, he could throw 200 innings, but if he sucks for 200 innings, what does it matter? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what well, I see with Cuthbert. It's like yeah, sure, he could play. 500 plate appearances, but he's not going to be good in those 500 plate appearances, so that's why I've got well, someone who's who has higher well, upside. I, I, think that's the, I think that's the difference, though, is that Cuthbert could presumably get 500 plate appearances in 2016. But that's got nothing to do with his skill. That just has to do with his opportunity. Well, he's able to get to triple it, I mean, it, yeah, it has, to, it has to do with his skill to a degree. I mean, he's managed to be good enough to work his way up the system to this point. Right, because he was young, and because they gave him money, and he and he's they're not going to cut uh, a twenty-two-year-old. Okay, but, it's but not- Cuthbert has actually performed in the minor leagues. I mean, it's not like yeah, he's three, just gotten pushed three years ago. 
Anyways, I don't I don't argue. I hate just I don't hate him, but anyways. Uh, I mean, and and he's kind of a weird one to make a stance on, but yeah. I I and it's and it's not this. I mean, it's just it's literally just a, a disagreement over preference. Like it's yeah, not sure. It's not that we're actually disagreeing on what the players. Might actually end up being. Yeah. Well, why don't you guys go write up your own damn top sixty list, okay? <laughs> well, we we totally write up around sixty list. And that's having essentially the same. Yeah. Basic. <laughs> Sorry, we should put your. Uh, awesome. Let's wrap it up. I'm gonna have some cereal. Sorry. Yeah, let's wrap things up. Uh, you, again, you can read the entire top sixty list for free. Orioles review. We thank Sean for putting that together every year. Are you gonna are you gonna do a mid season one? You think? I will. I don't think I'll do a hundred. That's ridiculous. I, I might do a hundred next winter, um, but yeah, I, I'll do a mid season one, and I'll probably do the draft board again. And um, and I want to say real quick, as I mentioned, thanks to. Listeners, uh, thanks to Max and the whole Royals Review staff. Let me take some time to do this. It was a nice little undertaking, um, and they gave me a ton of support, so I can't thank them enough. And thank you, listeners um, and readers, for giving an S about prospects. It's really easy to just not care, um, but it's fun to watch these guys grow up and be terrible for the most part, but some of them do succeed. Yeah, I think as a small market team, you always got to keep an eye on the future, and yeah. I mean they're, they're the lifeblood of the organization. So yeah, we'll be keeping a close eye on them, and we'll be, uh, you know, Sean will be keeping us uh, informed about what the prospects are doing all season. So you can and, read and all GIFs, about that. Uh, GIFs are starting up that, too. Uh, so now that the minor league season is starting here in a few weeks, and then the, we've got MLB TV for the spring and everything, my GIF game is starting up again. I know a lot of people who follow me on Twitter they they love my GIFs, so. Uh, there's going to be a lot more. I'm going to dedicate time when I'm not doing my CFA stuff. I'm going to be jiffing uh, out Bubba Starling line drive singles. So really get excited for that. And you can follow Sean at S H A U N C O R E. You call them gifs. What did I say? Gifs. Gifs. They're gifs. Yeah, gifs for sure. They're not a J. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say jif. It's it's definitely gif. Listen, and you, can you, follow, and you can see all of Sean's gifts or gifs or gifs or gifs, gargles or <laughs> yeah, at uh, Sean Core S H A U N C O R E. You can follow Josh Ward at J underscore K underscore Ward, and you can follow me at Max Reaper M A X R I E P E R on Twitter and uh, get all our witty comments and gifts and all sorts of great stuff. So thanks a lot, guys, for doing this. And, uh, yeah, we'll have to to talk to you in the prospects again. Yeah. Have many, many good nights, everyone. All right.